Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Isaiah, and we're going to be in chapter 55, one of my favorite uh, chapters in the Bible. We'll look at Isaiah 55 this week and next week. God has used this in my life in a time of real um, awakening, real revival in my life, and perhaps he'll use it in yours as well this week and next week. And then on the 16th, two weeks from today, I'm going to share some uh, really exciting news. I'll preach a passage about a little of what I really talked to you a little bit about what God's doing. He's brought a kind of unexpected opportunity to us, and it's really exciting. I just want to, I'll just tease it with that. Two weeks from today, you'll hear more about it. And then I'm gone for two weeks in Israel, and uh, Obi and Skip, two of the pastors on staff here, will be preaching those Sundays. And then on November 6th, November 6th, I'm going to start a series through the book of Revelation. We'll go all the way through the book of Revelation. We'll have some starts and stops. It'll take a long time. But if you've ever been curious about the end of time and God's purpose and plan in our future, I, uh, it's just a great book of the Bible. I look forward to it. I'll start in November. Well, let's open our Bibles to Isaiah 55, and I want to read uh, just the first five verses this morning. The Bible says, Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. And you without silver, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. Why do you spend silver on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and you will enjoy the choicest of foods. Pay attention and come to me. Listen so that you will live. I will make a permanent covenant with you on the basis of the faithful kindnesses of David since I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. So you will summon a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you will run to you, for the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, has glorified you. I love this passage, and I want to talk with you this morning on the subject, Are You Thirsty? I, I, it's, it's not that far to Christmas. And if you've noticed, it's a little cooler in the mornings this time of year, and Christmas will come, and I'll watch some of the Christmas movies that we watch every year. And one of those movies that I often watch at Christmas time is an old movie now called Home Alone. If you know that story about a little boy who gets left behind and his family goes on a vacation and they, circumstances conspire such that he gets left home alone and he has to fend for himself and he has to take care of the house and there are some bad guys who want to steal, robbers, people want to, thieves who want to take from that house and Kevin, the little boy, decides he's going to defend that home. And so he does all kinds of elaborate preparation for these thieves. He, know, he knows will be coming to the house. And it ends up sort of turns into a slapstick comedy. I mean, he just all kinds of injuries happen to these two bumbling thieves, and they get hurt in various ways. And at one point in the story, and it might be right after Kevin has allowed both use circumstances to cause both of the thieves to get hit in the face by a paint can, which is just, I don't know, we... It's kind of entertaining. You, get, you find yourself laughing at the misery of these poor thieves. Kevin looks down on them at the bottom of the steps. And he says to them, have you had enough or are you thirsty for more? And I want to ask you today, are you thirsty for more? Are you thirsty for more of the things of God? Are you thirsty for something beyond just the normal? Are you thirsty for something deeper than just trying to run the rat race a little faster and trying to get ahead a little bit more? Are you, are you thirsty for something deeper in life than just entertainment and pleasure and things? Are you thirsty for something in your spiritual life 
more than just attending church services, as good as that is, or on occasion maybe uh, listening to a worship service or listening to someone speak? Are you thirsty for something more than surface-level Christianity? Are you thirsty for more? The Lord asks us that question, and He is the one who reminds us that we can find our answers in Him. And so there are three principles I want you to note with me this morning. If you're a note-taker, would you write these three principles down as we talk about that subject of being thirsty? Number one, the Lord satisfies spiritual needs. Would you write that down? The Lord satisfies spiritual needs. Verse 1 says this, Come everyone who is thirsty, come to the water, and you without silver, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. Now the Lord invites you to come. Notice the passage starts with, come everyone who is thirsty. Well, everyone, that includes us, right? That's, that's you and me. That's our church. Any who are willing to come, the Lord invites us to come. We could not come to him except that he invites us, but the Lord invites us into his presence. He invites us to know him as Savior. He invites us to a deeper walk with him. And the Lord said, come everyone. That includes you and me. And maybe some of you are here saying, I'm thirsty. And there is the Lord inviting me to come. He asks me to come. He allows me to come. He draws me even to himself by the Holy Spirit. God's stirring in your life. It is the invitation of the Lord to come. If you're thirsty, the Lord invites you to come. If you're wanting a deeper relationship with the Lord, if you're wanting to know him, the Lord invites you to come. Come everyone who is thirsty. And then notice God has what you need. He says, come everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. Come to the water. That's what we need. And the Lord invites us to come to him because he is the answer to the thirst of our lives, of our spiritual lives. Years ago, there's this game. Some of you remember the game Trivial Pursuit. Just all kinds of trivial questions that you ask and you compete. And I was, my older brother and I were playing this game years ago, and we came to a question. It was a question for me, and the question was something along the lines of, what liquid most satisfies your thirst? And as I'm prone to do, I just overthought it. And I thought, you know, water seems so obvious, and so I just thought and thought, and finally I, I, I said uh, tea, I think, something like that, and my brother just scoffed at me and he didn't know it was water was the answer and uh, I didn't get an extra, a point and well yeah H2O of course there's, there's nothing that can satisfy like that God gives us this substance that satisfies our physical thirst and God gives us the one thing that can satisfy our spiritual need and that's him it's not just religious acts now God is the one who formed the church but it's not just religious acts. It's Him. It's not just moral behavior. God calls us to moral behavior. God is the one who tells us to do right and to turn from wrong. But it is Him. God draws us to Himself. And what you are thirsty for, if you are spiritually thirsty, is not just some religious acts on a Sunday morning. It's not just to try to be a little bit better in your daily life. But it is to be drawn to Him, to the Lord Himself. Come the Lord says, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water, the only thing that can satisfy. And then the, notice the Bible tells us that God provides freely. It says, come, you without silver, come by and eat. You don't have anything, come by and eat. Come by wine and milk without silver and without cost. Now, we don't have anything we can offer the Lord. We don't have any gold in our hand that we can offer to the Lord. The creator of the universe is lacking nothing. We cannot say, Lord, here's what, you, 
here's what you are lacking in your life. I'm going to give you, we have nothing to offer the Lord. He doesn't need anything from us. And yet, he invites us into his presence because he loves us. And he says, you don't have, all we've got is brokenness. All we've got is sin, pain, sorrow, past. And he says, I'm not, I'm not drawing you to myself because I, I want something from you because I'm lacking something, but I want you. The Lord wants us to come to him, not just to the things he does for us. And he's not just looking for what we can do for him. He wants us. And he invites us. He invites you personally to come to him. If you don't know him as Savior, to come to him in salvation. If you know him as Savior but aren't following him as Lord, he invites you to come. And he says, I'll do that for free. You know, God's grace is free. The greatest thing in life we can't buy. We can't earn. We don't deserve. In fact, we remember, don't we, that this great gift of, of forgiveness and salvation is free to us because someone paid the price. And a few moments ago when we took communion, we were reminded of the one who paid the price, the greatness of his love, the sacrifice that was made, and that our freedom comes because Christ paid the price. We owed a debt we couldn't hope to pay, and Christ paid that debt for us. Christ died for our sins in our place. I hope you never grow tired of that truth Christian, I hope you never lose sight of the depths of God's love, the price that he paid for your salvation. Years ago, years ago, I was just a young pastor, and I was at some conference, and a church was kind enough to let us go to conferences where we could learn more and be inspired, and I went to this conference a lot with a lot of my uh, pastor friends. John Avant, who was here last week, was there. Steve Gaines, pastor in Memphis now, got some of the into the several of my pastor friends and we gathered for a meal and the meal was uh, at an italian restaurant for some reason just some italian restaurant somewhere it's really it's kind of expensive i remember it was an expensive place and i didn't have a big amount of money i could spend on a conference and i wanted to be a good steward of the money we had anyway and so i noticed the meal was pretty expensive for for vicky and for me and so we we drank water and uh it was really it's hot it's summertime and we were thirsty and we drank a lot of water and they would it's different they didn't just pour it out of a pitcher they it's a fancy place and they would bring it in a big bottle and they'd open it up for you and pour it in and man if you wanted more they just would you would you like some more yeah i'd like sure and they just pour more water in and pour more water in and we found out at the end of the meal that that water was not free and they were charging us and apparently it was miracle water or something because they were charging a huge amount of money for the water and I thought to myself, how am I going to tell my church with my little small con conference experience, how am I going to tell them that it's like $50 for water? I mean, how am I going to, they're going to say, what kind of rube is our pastor? He doesn't know what he's doing, $50 for water, which all the, by the way, ought to be free. It comes from a tap, and yet they're pouring it in. And so my friend who was at a larger church had a bigger conference experience, he said, I'll pay it for you. I'll just, we'll just, I'll just pay for all the water. Thank, thank the Lord that he did that so I didn't have to come back to the embarrassment of, of explaining why I spent so much money on the water in order to save money for the church. But man, the Lord himself has given to us something that is so free, but it's because he paid the price for us to have it. And so the Lord says, come, you're thirsty, and I've got what you need. 
I invite you to come, everyone. And I have exactly what you're looking for, what will satisfy the depths of your soul. All the things that you might think will satisfy, none of those things will matter, but I have what you're looking for, the water that will satisfy that thirsty soul. And you don't have to pay a thing. In fact, there's not, there's not anything that you could pay. You just come as you are to me, not just what I can get for you. You come to me, and you will find the satisfaction that your soul is longing for. And there are some of you here who have been looking for everything under the sun, and the Lord himself is offering for free, without cost, for you to come and buy and eat. There's a second principle I'd like you to note with me, and that is the Lord warns of wasted pursuits. Now, the Lord satisfies spiritual needs, but many times we find ourselves looking for the answer in every other place. And so the Lord warns us of the danger of wasted pursuits. Verse 2 says this, Why do you spend silver on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and you will enjoy the choicest of foods. So the Bible's telling us here that we often spend what we can't afford. You, you know that world, right? The silver of the wages that you can't afford. We spend it. We want to get the latest gadget. There's another phone that comes out, and you got to get it, and another phone, and it never will end. You know that, right? There'll always be something. There'll always be a little bit more. And so we spend, often we spend what we don't have. Many just will spend on an impulse what they don't really can't afford. They end up with these giant credit card bills that they can't pay off with huge interest rates. It's a never-ending cycle. And part of it is because there's something in us that wants to pay for, wants to spend what we can't afford. And spiritually, the Lord is saying, why do you spend silver on what's not food? Well, your wages are what doesn't satisfy. We often buy what we don't want and don't need. Maybe in your closet or in your garage or things that you bought, you said, I need that. Man, that is really, and you haven't opened it yet. It's sitting in the garage. You used it one time and it sits there. It remains as a reminder that you buy things you don't really, you think you want, but you don't. You think you need, but you don't. And many people are spending what they don't have to buy what they don't really want, what doesn't really matter, what, they, what doesn't even satisfy. And they think, if I could just have that, and they get it, so disappointed, buyer's remorse. And we, here's the problem. We often miss God's better offer. The Lord says, listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and you will enjoy the choices of foods. God wants what's best for you. I knew the Lord that his way was right. I just didn't know it was good and pleasing. I mean, I knew it was, it was, of course, it's right. I ought to follow the Lord's way, but I didn't realize it would also be what brings the most personal satisfaction in life and what would bring such meaning and purpose to my life and would help me to see the value of uh, following the Lord and, and how God's way is so much better than the world's way. Doesn't it seem like the world's way just seems so great to get a few steps down the road in that world's way? It's not so great then. And God's way seems so terrible until you get a few steps down the line and you see how much God cares about you and what he has for you is so much better than what the world has for you. God wants what's best for you. Hard for us to believe that sometimes because we sort of think we know what's better for ourselves than God and we want our way, we want the world's way. And God's just saying, man, I've got something so much better than the world has to offer. So whatever you're filling your life with outside of the Lord, whatever you're saying, this is what's going to satisfy me if I could just get enough. By the way, you'll never get enough. There'll never be an answer to that. If I could just get enough, it'll always be a little bit more if you're looking for meaning and purpose 
for peace and joy from things. You'll never have enough things. Pleasure, it'll never be enough. Power, always need a little more. And God is saying, I've got something so much better. Something so much better than all of those things. This is a, if you're new to the St. Louis area, it's a baseball town in many ways. And Cardinals have had a good run and they're doing well this year. And the um, end of, a, of an era for a lot of the legends. And so it's just been a fun season. And, and perhaps they'll go on and have a great playoff run and win the World Series. And if they do, it'll be super exciting for fans. But can I just tell you something? If you come into that playoff run empty, doesn't matter what happens, you'll still be empty when it's over. If there's some baseball player who's and they poured their energy and life into working hard and getting a good contract and, and winning a World Series, and if they get there and win the World Series, if they came in empty, spiritually empty, life without meaning and purpose, and they'll accomplish that goal, and they'll find out their life is still just as empty and just as purposeless as it was when they got into it because the answer is never found in whatever it is that we're searching for outside of the Lord. Whatever it is, power, money, fame, pleasure. Do you remember Deion Sanders? He still does a lot of commercials and things. Deion Sanders uh, was a fascinating athlete. He played professional baseball, professional football at the same time. An incredibly good uh, football player, one of the greatest defensive backs of all time. In 1994, I think it was, he was the player, defensive player of the year. I mean, just a great, great athlete. Won Super Bowls. But in 1997, he drove his car off a cliff, 30, 40 feet off a cliff, hoping to kill himself. He would later come to know the Lord and find the real source of the satisfaction that his soul was longing for. And he wrote his autobiography with this as the subtitle. Here was his subtitle. How success almost ruined my life. How success almost ruined my life. Well, you would think success is, that's how you make your life great. He was saying, my life was empty. He had money and fame and power and pleasure and he's empty. And he would say, as many would say, after accomplishing some great goal, he would say, is that all there is? Whatever it is that you're, if I could get that rank, if I got that promotion, if I had that relationship, my bank account would just do a little bit better. The retirement account would work out a little, little bit better. If I could just have this or that, or, and whatever it is, save the Lord Jesus, you're going to find yourself saying at the end of that, is that all there is? Is that it? And so the Lord just warns us, man, I, what you're looking for, what you're searching for is what I have, the Lord is saying. It's what I have. The Lord is saying, this is what I want for you. I invite you to come. So don't, don't waste your money, your silver, and your gold, your time, your energy on things that are lesser and, and find something deeper. Find a satisfaction to your soul. I'm offering it to you, the Lord said, free of charge. And then number three, would you write this principle down? The Lord invites to a deeper relationship. One of the reasons I love chapter 55 is because the Lord is calling us to a relationship with him that is deeper. Many people say, they think of it, of the uh, Christian life like this, I trust Christ as Savior, and that's it. And the Bible tells us salvation is great. It's wonderful to know Christ as Savior, to be forgiven of sins, to be adopted by the Lord. But it's just the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning. And God wants a deeper relationship with you. 
He saves you not just for heaven one day, but he also saves you for a purpose in this day. And he wants a deeper relationship with you. And so let's notice what the Bible says in verses 3 and following. First note the Bible that God invites us here to come. He invites you to come. Verse 3 says, pay attention and come to me, the Lord says. Pay attention and come to me. God invites you to come. One reason many people don't come is because they don't pay attention. They're so distracted. The other day I was driving, maybe you've seen situations like this. The guy in front of me was kind of going off across the line, center line, and then he'd get back in, and then he'd go on the other side. And you know what I think he was doing? Pretty sure this is right for him. It's daytime. I don't think he was drunk. I think, here's what I think he was doing. I think the guy was on his phone, and he was, I don't know, texting. Maybe he was sending out a clever tweet or something, Instagram, TikTok. Maybe it's a maybe it's a maybe it's a neat video of a cat doing something humorous. You know how beautiful the, you can't get enough cat videos of doing funny things, right? Maybe he was just watching some cat video and he just he just get distracted and he'd go across the center line a little bit and then that you know that cat video was over and there's another cat video always after the first cat video and he went across. It. Maybe that's all it was and maybe that's what the enemy is doing in your life. He just keeps you distracted. The Lord says, "Pay attention and come to me." But we're so distracted. I think it's one of the tactics of the enemy to keep you distracted so that you never deeply think about how much God wants you to go deeper, how much he wants of you, how much he cares about you, how meaningful that relationship can be. And so he just keeps you busy with cat videos or whatever it is that he can distract you with. It could be good things, family and work and hobbies, and you're so distracted you never think about the greatest things. And God is inviting you to come notice he speaks god speaks life to you he says in verse three listen so that you will live the world is loud the world is loud and sometimes god's voice seems sort of still and small sort of quiet he speaks to us in a gentle whisper sometimes and the lord says listen so that you will live listen instead of the listening to the world that is running from god and distracted by all of life, God says, I I want you to hear this small voice because I've got a life for you. I've got something better for you. Notice that God offers you a promise. He says in verse 3, I'll make a permanent covenant with you on the basis of the faithful kindnesses of David. God makes covenants with us. He made a covenant with Abraham and Abraham would bless the entire earth. And He made a covenant with David that David would have a descendant on the throne. Of course, the, the Lord, King Jesus, reigns forever and the lord made a covenant with us in salvation we have this promise from god that we are forgiven a promise of eternal life but god also offers the promise of abundant life god saves us for now and he wants us to live a life that counts and god wants you to understand that on the basis of his work in the past he is working in us in the present and for the future notice that god gives you a testimony In verse 4, the Bible says, Since I've made David a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples, so you will summon a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you will run to you. God uh, gave a testimony to David, and he does to you. David David is not the kind of guy you would have expected to be the king, not the kind of guy you expect to have as the head of the lineage of the Lord Jesus. Do you remember the story of Jesse coming to, of Samuel coming to the house of Jesse? 
And God had told him that one of his sons was going to be the king. And, man, the first son came out, and he was tall and handsome. And they said, that's the king. And God said, I don't look at the outside. I look at the inside. And they went through all the sons of Jesse, and not one of them was a king. And, Jesse, and Samuel said, isn't there any, any, don't you have any other sons? And they said, yeah, I got this crowny son out with the sheep. That's, God saw in David what others didn't see. When Goliath was taunting Israel, Goliath was huge. I mean, he was, he was a warrior, and he's massive. And here's this little scrawny David who had nothing but a sling and faith in God. And that testimony resonates with us still. And I don't think if you'd have been in the days of the Old Testament, you'd have picked David. And you know what? You might not have picked you. You might not have picked you. I mean, you see, you know, some of the truth of your life, you're broken. We all are. We all are. We're broken. There's pain. We've got hurts from our past. We've made silly decisions. We've struggled at a thousand levels. I don't think I don't think I'd pick you, and I don't think God would pick you. I don't think God would have picked. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think others would have picked you. I, I, but God picked you. He loves you. I don't think I'd have picked you, but God, would, God looks at you, and he sees in you what no one else sees. On all you see, perhaps, is just the brokenness of your life. God sees the potential of what you can be. And he sees the power of that testimony. Listen, there is a power to your testimony of what God's doing in your life. You let God work in your life, and there's a power to that testimony. And others may not care what the truth is. They may not care what the Bible says, but what, they cannot argue with God's work in your life, what God is doing in you. There's a power to that testimony. There's something about that that draws people to the Lord, how God takes a life, a broken, fallen life, and God does a work in them that no one else could do. There's a power to that. And God gives you a testimony, and God makes you his own. God makes you his own. Verse 5 says, For the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, has glorified you. God doesn't just look at you and see the brokenness, the pain, the sinfulness, though he's fully aware of all of that. Even, if, even the parts that you try to hide from anyone else, the parts that you try to hide from yourself, God knows it full well. But you know what the Lord does? He is so, the Lord, his blood is so sufficient the one who lived the perfect life that none of us could live, the one who would die the death that we deserve, his blood so sufficient, the one who gave the miracle of the resurrection that we so needed, his blood is sufficient to cleanse every sin so that God looks at you through the eyes of salvation if you'll trust him as Savior, not through, oh, look at the brokenness, look at the sinfulness. God sees you as righteous by the blood of Jesus, righteous, holy, forgiven, made new. God sees you as his child, adopted into his family, joint heirs with Jesus of all the promises of God, glorified by the Lord's own work. Man, it's an amazing thing. Aren't you thirsty for more? Aren't you thirsty for more? Some of you tried everything the world has to offer, but you'll, you'll never be made whole without Christ. Some of you have known Christ as Savior, and you've, you know 
that he saved you, but you've never grown to follow him as Lord. Aren't you thirsty for more? Isn't there a longing deep within your soul for something, for that dry soul that knows something of the truth of who God is to experience something more, something greater? The Lord says, come. Come, all who are thirsty. And I'll give you drink. Let's pray together. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, I want to ask you to give your life to Christ today. If the Holy Spirit is drawing you to himself, if you recognize that you're a sinner who needs a Savior, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Perhaps today you'd give your life to Christ. Now saying words that you don't mean won't change anything, but if in your heart you say, I I know I need to be saved, I'm I'm lost without Christ, I need Christ as my Savior, you could pray a prayer like this. God, I've sinned against you. Just acknowledge that to him. I've sinned against you. You're holy and I'm not. But you died for me, for my sins. You took my place. And I believe you rose from the dead. And so here and now, I turn from my sin and I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. And I ask you to save me. And if you mean that, he'll save you. Just the start, but it's the start. Christian, many of you here know Christ as Savior. And when I talk about being thirsty, that resonated with your soul because there's a dryness, there's this hunger for something more than what you've known, a thirst for something deeper than just the kind of superficial Christianity that has been a part of your life. And so would you say, Lord, you tell me in your word, come everyone who is thirsty, and I'm thirsty. And I want to come to you. I want a deeper walk with you. I want, a, I want a fresh touch from you. I want a stronger devotion to you, Lord. I, I, I want more of you. And Father, I want to thank you. You promise in your word that you are able to quench that thirst that is deep within our soul. And so I'm praying now for prodigals to come home. And I'm praying for those who are lost to find salvation forgiveness and cleansing i'm praying for us to take the next steps in our faith of obedience and surrender we pray you'll do a work in us that is so great that we know it's of you that you'll send a revival to our soul renewal to our heart i pray this in jesus name amen